You ever sit and fantasize about winning the lottery? Come on, you holy and righteous people. Sometimes I think, wow, what, you know, when it, I don't know, it gets up into the, what, 400 millions sometimes or something? I mean, it gets big. And it's pretty hard not to sometimes think, wow, what would I, and we all go like this, right? We'd give half of it to the church. <laughs> that, that, like, that justifies our selfish thoughts, just like that, right? What would we do? Would it be fulfilling? Would you find fulfillment if you won the lottery? Well, the title of my message is, I Already Won the Lottery. Sorry, I'm not building a new church. I already won the lottery. What does that mean? I already won the lottery. I've never, ever bought a ticket, and I don't say that in a braggadocious way, but thank you, Lord, that I'm so holy and righteous. <laughs> you can call me Pharisee Mike if you'd like. I've never bought a ticket. Actually, I almost had a disagreement way back 20-some years ago when I was working for Relco. I was working with one of their distributors, and he went in and said, we've got to buy a ticket. I said, no, I'm not buying a ticket. He came out with two and says, here, you've got one. So I've sort of had a ticket. But I've won the lottery. Some of you may see uh, my post on Facebook. I don't share many things or post many things on Facebook. But, and I don't even remember where I saw this to share it. So I, one of you maybe posted it. Thank you. But it's a quote by Ben Carson. And, and Ben Carson said, basically, I already won the lottery. I was born in America, and I know the Lord. Boy, I looked at that post, and I thought about it, and I thought about how many times I think about what I call the accident of birth. And really, I know it was no accident. I get that. But just think. You and I were born in this country where there is this freedom. There is prosperity. I mean, just think, there are people living all over the globe who couldn't gather like this publicly without fear of being arrested, beaten, or killed. There are people that wake up every morning and they never have to go to the closet and decide what clothes to wear because they're lucky if they have one pair. They never have to wonder what we're going to go home and have for lunch because there's no food. If there is, it's probably rice or beans, again, for the umpteenth time. Or maybe it's boiled water with some plant in it. You know, we are so blessed. When I saw Ben Carson's quote, I've already won the lottery. I was born in America. And I know the Lord. It made me think of Memorial Day. I know I think I told you I'd probably be speaking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. Um, I repent. I lied. I guess. I want to share some things about Memorial Day, and my message is actually going to be like two parts. And it's going to be the two parts of Ben Carson's quote. I won the lottery. I was born in America. Tomorrow, as we, most all of us know, we celebrate what we call Memorial Day. And Memorial Day has kind of grown out of the human need that we have to remember where we've been and how we got here. Where we've been, how we've got here. Whether it's memories about a, a nation like the United States of America, or it's about our community, our local towns that we come from. Memories about our church, 
memories about individual families. Whatever it is, those memories that we have are, are fulfilling a need that, that are, or hopefully fulfilling a need to kind of remind us and provide for us the values and the dreams that our lives are based on today. Remembering these different things. It's a way that we kind of pass on from one generation to another generation. You know, whether we realize it or not, whether we think about it very often or not, so much of who we are and the way we live and the way we think and the way we do things has been passed on from the previous generations to us. And sadly, I think an awful lot of that is getting lost because of the breakdown of the family and things that are taking place in our culture. But for, to forget and to not remember is kind of like dropping the torch. We're supposed to be passing the torch on. And when we forget, boy, there's some, there's some dangers that could occur. If we forget the bad things, the negative things that have taken place, we need to be careful because we may repeat the same mistakes over and over again. We don't want to live in the past. We don't want the past to control us. We don't want to live in shame or guilt or condemnation or any of those things. But we need to remember the past so we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. Whether we're talking about a nation or a community or a church or a family, it doesn't matter. We don't want to forget all of those things. Because not only will we maybe repeat them, we will continue to suffer the consequences of those same mistakes over and over again. Remembering and not forgetting. Not forgetting the good things that have taken place, whether again in our nation, communities, church, or family. We start forgetting the good things. We start to become complacent. We can become very complacent. We can begin to take all these things for granted that people have sacrificed for, that we could have what we have. And worse than becoming complacent, or maybe following this complacency, is begin to lose what we've gained. And this can take place, again, at all levels of our lives. In November of 1863, Abraham Lincoln's what we call the Gettysburg Address kind of laid the foundation for the beginning of what we now call Memorial Day. Now, I'm not a real history buff, but there's some things that strike me because a few years ago, Cindy and I finally went on vacation and we didn't go to the mountains in the west. We went to Gettysburg in Washington, D.C. And as I began to read about some of the things of Gettysburg and the Battle of Gettysburg, when I thought of Gettysburg, I basically thought of Abraham Lincoln, you know, four score and many years, etc. But in the Battle of Gettysburg and the dedication of the cemetery in Gettysburg, which Abraham Lincoln shared that famous address at, he planted a seed that would become Memorial Day. At that time, historically, the country itself, the nation itself, teetered on disaster. It was so split. It was so divided. It was at war with itself, literally, as we all know, in the Civil War. In three days, in July of 1863, 
January 1st, January 2nd, Jan July, excuse me, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, there was the Battle of Gettysburg. And the Battle of Gettysburg was basically between General Meade's Army of the Potomac and General Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia. And if you ever read about it, the numbers are staggering. In that battle, the Union side, General Meade's army, there was over 3,155 killed in those three days. Another 14,529 were wounded, and 5,365 5, were missing. About 28% of his army was wounded, killed, or missing. And Robert E. Lee's, 3,900 were killed, 18,735 injured, 5,425 4, 5, missing. More than a third of his entire army was wounded, killed, or missing. Over 7,000 Americans were killed in three days. Three days. By relatives, family members, fighting amongst themselves in the Civil War. In November, November 18th of 1863, so just a few months later, they were going to dedicate the cemetery at Gettysburg. Some of you may know, most of you probably don't, but Abraham Lincoln was not the primary speaker. He was invited kind of last minute to come, and his speech lasted less than two minutes and was like 273 words long. And that was it. The original speaker, the main speaker, he spoke for over two hours. How many of you remember his name? How many of you remember what he said? Abraham Lincoln, 273 words in less than two minutes. His speech started out four score and seven years ago. Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And then less than two minutes later, he finished with these words. The world will little note, nor long remember, what we say here. He got that wrong, didn't he? But it can never forget what they did here, meaning the soldiers. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work, which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from, this honored, from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. We need to remember, because what we forget, we can lose. I just looked at those words, those few words that he said at the end of his short speech, and I think, one nation under God, man alive, are we losing that? The principles of the Word of God. Godly men and women in leadership 
a, a nation of people that truly are Christian. And a government of and by and for the people. I wonder what that looked like. We're losing, we're forgetting these things. Memorial Day was originally conceived to remember the fallen soldiers. It was originally, they would decorate the graves of soldiers with flags and, and flowers, and, and they called it Decoration Day initially. It later expanded after World War I to honor all of the soldiers that died in wars, not just those in the Civil War. And eventually, the, the custom that we now have today of decorating the graves and remembering all those who we have lost, loved ones, family members that we've lost. It didn't officially become Memorial Day as we know it now until 1971. It became Memorial Day on the last Monday of May. It is really a generation's attempt to help the next one remember. And I know if you're like me, you don't think too much about that anymore unless you've lost someone recently or unless a loved one in the last generation or so at most died serving our country. Sadly, most of it think of as, all right, Monday's off. We don't have to go to work, most of us. But as we forget, we risk losing so much. You know, you see some of these television programs who will send somebody out in the streets to interview and ask questions like, why don't you have to go to work on Monday, the last Monday of May? And oh my goodness, do you get some ridiculous answers. Most of them start with, I don't know. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. We need to remember. We need to remember especially the men and women who paid for our freedom with their blood and lives. When we think back, originally it was for the Civil War soldiers, but after World War I, it became all the wars. World War II, what we call the Korean conflict. We really don't know what to call Vietnam. More recently, Afghanistan and Iraq. How many young men and young women lost their lives fighting for freedom, fighting against tyranny? Thousands and thousands. We've lost the generations of the World War I and most of the generation of World War II. And it's so easy to forget. They're just names that we may hear read on Memorial Day or Veterans Day. We forget that there are still people serving all over the world. And we forget about those that are serving in places even now or in the past that we've never heard of. Places we don't even know where it's located on a globe. They're still losing their lives, putting their lives at risk, just like they've done for so many years. How many, how many veterans or current members of the military do we have in here? Please stand up, would you please, in the middle of a message? We'd love you to do that.
lot of these, <laughs> this happens to me every year. A lot of these men and women never talk about what they did because they can't. It was so horrible. And some of them know we wouldn't even want to hear it. Some of them came home from wars, especially Vietnam, and were so disrespected. We lost thousands and thousands of lives, and people say, what good did it do? All you'd have to do is look back at some recent history and say, what happened after we pulled out of Vietnam? What happened in Laos and Cambodia and Thailand, the slaughter, the persecution, the tyranny, when we left? The Korean conflict, we never wanted. All we know is it was a MASH television program came out of it. All we got to do is look at North Korea today in comparison to South Korea today and see what happened when the American soldiers left. We're constantly constantly under threat, facing tyranny. A quote that no one knows where it originated from said this, it is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It's the soldier, not the poet, that gave us freedom of speech. It was the soldier, not the politician, that has guaranteed our freedom to vote, our freedom to assemble, and even the freedom to disagree. In other lands and in other times, these kind of freedoms have not existed. Many lands, even in these times, these freedoms don't exist. Yes, I've already won the lottery, simply being born in America at the great cost of many, 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 many lives and from generations that have gone before us. Many of us maybe have seen, it's probably as close as so many of us have gotten to war, the, the movie um, Saving Private Ryan. How many of you saw that? Great movie, as long as you don't have to be in the movie. You didn't have to live it. It took place in... France at the end, in, during World War II, Normandy, the invasion of Normandy had taken place. I had a great video clip, but I decided with our young kids in here, there's no way I could show it. Besides, I'd have really cried. A Captain Miller had survived Normandy, and he received instructions for him and his unit to take on this strange operation. There was a family, the Ryan family, had four sons, four brothers fighting in the war. Three of them had already been killed fighting in the war. The remaining one was James Ryan, Pat Private, James Ryan. And Captain Miller got instructions to take his team and find him. The, our government decided that no mother should have to suffer the death of four sons in a war, no matter how righteous that war was. So they decided to send this group to go find him, even to locate him. And at that time, the way things were during that time in the war, they didn't even, people were going in so many different directions and divisions and orders were changing, and they didn't even know where they were for sure. And then to get there, and in the trying to get to them, many of his unit were wounded, many of them killed. They ran into all kinds of hardships. They began to question, why are we sacrificing our lives for this life? What makes this life so much more important than ours? 
They didn't understand. All they knew their orders were find Private James Ryan and get him to safety so we can send him home to his mother. They finally find Private Ryan and his unit. And they're there, and their orders at that time were to defend a bridge, to not let this German tank division cross that bridge. And if you begin to lose the bridge, blow the bridge up. That was their orders. When they finally find Private Ryan, this is where he's at. And Private Ryan does what? A few military guys can probably relate better than any of the rest of us. He says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving my unit. And they're saying, you've got to. We've got our orders. I've lost most of my men. They've been killed or wounded. We're taking you to safety. He says, no, I'm not. And they finally agreed that if he told Captain Moore, if you'll stay, if you'll stay and whatever's left of your unit will stay until we've got this bridge protected and the German tanks are no longer a threat, then I will leave with you and leave my unit. And they agreed to that as long as Private Ryan removed himself from the dangerous spot and put himself in a place of safety. Well, if you watched the movie, it didn't go so good. Most of Captain Miller's unit was killed. And finally, he himself is wounded, and they're losing the bridge. The scene was dramatic in the film. Captain Miller is wounded. He's laying against a pile of rubbish, and he's emptied all of his ammunition. All he's got left is his revolver, and the tanks are coming across the bridge, and he's, he's dying. He's shooting at the tanks with a revolver. And at that very instant, a plane comes over and blows up the tanks. And at this time, Private Ryan comes up to Private Captain Miller. Captain Miller's dying. And he reaches down to him because Captain Miller's saying something to him. And he couldn't hear him the first time, and he says, what did you say? And he leans in close, and the scene in the movie is so powerful, he takes his hand, he moves his hand, and with his dying breath says, James, earn this. Earn this. In a very real way, you can't earn this. These men and women have died, had their bodies maimed for us, that we can live in freedom. Not only can't we earn this, we don't even remember it. The very least we can do, as President Lincoln said at that time, is we can't forget what these men and women have done for us, the freedom that we have. We can't earn it, but we can determine not to forget it. We need to tell our generations and our children what took place. They have no idea. I barely have any idea what it took. Memorial Day is a day to remember those things. I already run the lottery. I was born in America. Part two, I've already run the lottery. I was born in America, and I know the Lord. Knowing the Lord is an even greater freedom than the freedom that our men and women have fought for. The freedom that we have politically, so to speak, could easily be lost as we forget the cost of having this freedom, 
It can be easily lost as the generations disappear that literally fought for those freedoms. But our eternal freedom, our freedom that can only come through Christ and knowing the Lord, is one that can never be taken from us. It is eternal. It will last forever. And we need to remember that too. You know, in the Old Testament, a few weeks ago I spoke a little bit about Joshua. And as Joshua was beginning to take the Israelites into the Promised Land, they had to cross the Jordan River during flood stage. And the Lord told them, he says, what I want you to do is take the, have the priests take the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to walk down into the river. And they did. And we sometimes tell that story, and I think about the faith that even the priests must have had at that time. You've got a flooding Jordan River, and you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to step into the flooding waters, the raging waters of the Jordan River. And the moment they stepped there, the river stopped flowing. And they walked across on dry land. But then they were told to do something strange. The priest stood in the middle of the river till all the people had passed. And then God told Joshua, I want you to take one person from each of the 12 tribes, and I want them to walk into the river, and I want them to pick up a rock. And I want them to stand those 12 rocks in the middle of the river. And I want you to take 12 more rocks and take them onto shore. And you're going to stand those rocks up. And they ended up being stood up at a place called Gilgal. And why? Why would you do such a silly thing? In Joshua chapter 4, verse 4, it says, That all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that they may reverence the Lord, the God, your God, forever. They needed to remember Israel's life, Israel's history is one of remembering and forgetting and remembering and being reminded and remembering and then forgetting again. And they repeated this over and over and over. This isn't a new concept or a new problem. Those stones were to remind the people of what God did, how great and mighty he was, that it would be a testimony forever. Way back in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, scripture that we're very familiar with, and we could look at lots of, I'm just going to look at one in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we read about in the section of the scripture in regards to communion. Starting in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord, and this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. What's he doing? He's reminding them. Because they had forgotten. Talked a week ago about how the church at Corinth it was just a mess because they'd forgotten. They'd forgotten the teachings that Paul had poured into them for 18 months. They'd forgotten what God had done. They had forgotten. So he writes these words when it comes to communion, what we call communion. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Passing it on to his next generation of spiritual children. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this so you don't forget. And every time you do this, remember what it represents. Because we forget. It's human nature. We forget. Then he went on and said, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said these words, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
For them at that time, Israel kept wanting to go back to the old covenant, following rules and regulations and trying to earn salvation and earn forgiveness, earn the love of God. They'd been set free from that, and yet they kept returning. And he says, this will remind you of that new covenant purchased by my blood. We need to remember that. So many of us and so many religions do this to us they keep driving us back to the old covenant, driving us back to behaviors and doing the right thing and saying the right thing and all these rules and regulations. And when we take communion and we drink of the cup, it's to remind us that we are under the new covenant purchased by the blood of Jesus. Our sin has been dealt with. We are free. We are free. We need to be reminded and then he goes on and says, And remember to me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember and proclaim it. You know, that word proclaim has a number of meanings. It means to declare. It means to preach it. It means to speak it out. But one of the meanings that I really liked was to implant it in your mind. To proclaim it. When we receive communion, God is saying, remember, remember the freedom that you now have because of Christ. Remember. Remember what? Remember the tyranny of sin. Man, if we've been a Christian for a while, we can forget just who we were before we met Christ. We were under the power of sin. The Bible tells us very clearly if you want to read chapters 5 and 6 of Romans, you get a real clear picture of the tyranny of sin and the freedom that we have in Christ. And that freedom didn't come free either. It didn't come free at all. But there is freedom in Jesus. There's reading Galatians chapter 5, and, and you just read the whole chapter, but a couple of verses, 5, 1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was freedom that he purchased for us, that we can live free, that we can live the abundant life that's available in Christ. We don't have to live under the tyranny of sin anymore. And we'd say, what are you talking about? Well, the tyranny of sin has many faces. But if you are living in guilt or shame or condemnation, you are living under the tyranny of sin. We don't have to live there anymore. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren, as Paul is writing these words. 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is. The Spirit of the Lord is. And earlier in that verse it says the Lord is Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of Jesus is, there is freedom. If we are born again and saved by the, Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in us. And there is freedom. Just as many died for our political freedom and all the other freedoms we enjoy, Jesus died for our spiritual freedom, for our eternal freedom. And if you don't think you forget, just meditate on this for a little while about who you were, what you were in bondage to, how trapped you were, how you couldn't overcome, and how Christ set us free. All sin 
all sin lost its power at the cross. All of it. Why remember? We need to remember so we can live our lives with thankfulness and gratitude and obedience out of love for the one who paid such a price. You know, really, we can't thank those men and women who serve enough for what they do. You know, we take it so for granted. We can't thank them enough. There's men and women in here that have served. Many of them watch some of their best friends in the service get killed in gruesome ways. Many here, their lives have been changed forever because of what they did in service for our country. We can't thank them enough. And we can't earn it. It's freely given at the sacrifice of others. And it's the same thing with our spiritual freedom. We can't earn it. Quit trying if you're still trapped in that snare of the devil. You can't earn your spiritual freedom. It's a gift of grace received by faith. We can't say those things enough. Your freedom is a gift of grace that you didn't deserve, I didn't deserve, and we receive it by faith. And the tyranny of sin, the power of sin, is broken in our lives. We need to remember because of the cost. Again, it's hard for us to relate, but meditate on what it took for Jesus to become sin on our behalf. What did it take for Jesus to experience the wrath of the Father on all the sin of the world? Meditate on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating great drops of blood, knowing what he was facing. Our freedom in Christ is free to us. It cost him his life. We need to remember because of the cost. You can't earn it, and you can't obtain it in your own strength. But as President Lincoln said, we can't earn it, but we can remember it. Think about it. Always keep it at the forefront and proclaim it. There is a world out there in our country living in spiritual bondage. Many are still under the tyranny of sin. They have never met Jesus at a personal level. They've never accepted the gift of grace by faith. They're still lost. And sadly, there's many Christians out there who have been born again, but they're still living under the tyranny of some of that same sin because they don't understand and know the freedom that they have in Christ. And if we know, we should be proclaiming that to everyone we know, everyone we meet. Living a life, remembering. You know, we can't earn it, but think about this. There is going to come a day we're all going to stand before the Lord, and I know what words we want to hear. At least I think we want to hear, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Already won the lottery. It's born in America, and we know the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do give thanks. We didn't deserve to be born in America.
We didn't deserve to be living in this land of freedom that we have. Father, we thank you for that blessing. God, we pray for all those in other lands and other nations who do not have these freedoms. Our brothers and sisters in Christ and other parts of the world that are under persecution for their faith, in prisons or even killed. Father, for those in these other nations who don't have enough food to eat, they don't have a home, a house for cover. They have so little and we have so much. God, we pray for them. Father, we thank you again this morning for those that have gone before us to protect the freedoms we have in the political realm, the national, as a nation, the freedoms that we have. I pray you would bless each one here that has served this country in whatever way they've served. Give us hearts of gratitude when we meet these young servicemen and women that we might thank them for what they're doing. And Father, even more, we thank you for Jesus. Father, as we sang to you about the name above all names, Jesus, the one who set us free from the bondage of sin, the power of sin, the cost that it came to us so freely, you paid. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here this morning that can hear my voice that does not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, this morning would be the morning they would confess their sin and need of a Savior, recognizing Jesus as the Son of God who lived a sinless life, who became sin on our behalf, crucified, that his body and his blood were broken and shed for us, that we may have life, that we may have freedom. I pray, Lord, even as Memorial Day is tomorrow and we gather with friends or family, wherever we go, we take a moment to think about the real meaning and what we all need to remember. And Lord, I also thank you this morning for those memories that we have of our loved ones who have gone on before us husbands and wives, children, grandparents, close friends. We thank you for those memories. We pray that what we've learned and what we've had passed down to us from those relationships would never be forgotten. Lord, now as we go our different ways, I pray you would watch over us, keep us safe, protect us. God, I pray for protection for all the traveling, to all the graduation receptions, all the people on all the roads in the country and everywhere else. We pray that we would be kept safe. And we pray, Lord, more than anything else, our lives would bring glory and honor to you and to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.